Welcome to Scene Change, a podcast by the National Federation of the Blind's Performing Arts Division. All about equality, opportunity, accessibility, and the arts. Here, you'll learn adaptive techniques from performers in the know. We are changing what it means to be blind, one stage at a time. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Scene Change. I'm Lizzie Mohammed Park, the Vice President of the National Federation of the Blind Performing Arts Division, and your host of the show. Today will be a very interesting format. We're going to be doing something a little bit different. You all are used to hearing me uh, interview people, but today I will be doing a sort of interview slash participation. We are welcoming Caitlin McIntyre to the show, the president of the National Federation of the Blind Performing Arts Division. Say hi, Caitlin. Hi, it's great to be here. Yes, for her second episode, we are discussing the performing art of partner dancing just in time for Valentine's Day. (laughs) Yes, such a great time to get out there and do some partner dancing. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions. Caitlin's going to answer. I'm going to answer. We're going to share our opinions. And Caitlin's going to throw out some questions, too. So this will be a very uh, informal episode. And uh, who knows, we just might um, end up discussing how we met our partners, since one of our stories, at least, is related (laughs) to partner I think so. (laughs) My husband can't dance at all, so maybe I won't talk about that. Um, Yes. Anyways, (laughs) let's jump right in. So, Caitlin, um, we'll be taking a listen into some of the different the different music related to the various styles of partner dancing. But could you maybe start us off with some of the, the dances that you've done before? Yes. So I do a lot of competitive ballroom dancing, which includes styles like tango, waltz. Viennese waltz, foxtrot, and the way you look tonight. Other Latin dances like the cha cha. Samba. Rumba. And uh, there's various other social dances in there, like the hustle. Nightclub two-step.
all kinds of fun stuff. And then also I have done quite a few years of clogging. It's kind of an Irish tap dance mixture. And I've also done some contra dance and English country dancing. And I like to just try, try new things, salsa. Bachata. Swing, which is very similar to jive. So, you know, most partner dances, I've maybe at least tried it once. How about you, Lizzie? Wow, you've done a lot. Um, <laughs> I definitely tested out salsa um, at the NFB conventions um, and just learned a little bit um, on my own because my senior solo was actually a salsa song um, by nice. Mark Anthony. I know, I know that we talked about that a little bit. Um, on an episode before, actually the last time you were here. Um, yes. But beyond that, I've done uh, flamenco when I was studying abroad in Spain. And I've also done swing, and I learned that at a summer camp. <laughs> so how did you get started? Um, with dance in general, maybe not specifically partner dance, but just like with dance in general, jumping right in. Yeah. You know, I've always loved performing arts. I'm primarily a musician, a singer. So I, I did that from very young and I always loved doing things in my body, getting moving. I was a very energetic, talkative child. And so I wasn't afraid to jump up and try something or, um, you know, put on uh, shows with my siblings or cousins when we had family over. And so um, my parents got me in some tap and ballet classes when I was pretty little. And I remember always enjoying those. I don't think I ever got extremely far, uh, but I, I did enjoy those, learned some basic things, um, kept doing that kind of through childhood. And then really when I think I started absolutely diving deeper into dance was when I started clogging when I was nine years old. I was a part of the Maricopa 4-H cloggers here in Arizona, and um, it was a 4-H group, so that was another cool experience uh, part of that. But we did clogging, which again is sort of a, a mixture of Irish, tap, it even has a little bit of Native American history to it, um, influence, influence from the army, and uh, you wear shoes with double taps on them, which make great sounds, lots of cool um, auditory cues there. And so I got into that. I did that for about eight or nine years. Um, and that was so much fun. You know, it, it had both solo and partner elements to it. Sometimes you were doing a solo routine, an acapella routine, or dancing uh, with a whole group, maybe doing a show routine. We did a dance from Newsies one year. We were all dressed up like newsboys and passing newspapers around, all kinds of fun stuff. And then there were duets, too, and, and partner dances. And I did one... Um, you know, with a, with a friend, we worked really hard and had fun costumes and all this stuff. So really that was a, a way to learn all kinds of different aspects of clogging, but with different, you know, sort of forms of partner dance, solo dance, group dance, all that good stuff. So that was great. And then 
Um, you know, I didn't do a ton when I was in my undergraduate degree. I was focusing a lot on music there, on opera and other things. And I still was in my master's degree. But when I started my master's at Carnegie Mellon University, uh, my family actually saw a flyer for a ballroom dance club and ballroom dance team. And they said, Caitlin, you should go to this. And I was actually really exhausted because I had just come off a six week program in Graz, Austria. And so I was all jet lagged and tired and grumpy and didn't want to go. And I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll give it a try. So I went and of course I loved it. One of the dances we did the first night was the hustle and met some great people there. Uh, they were just a really welcoming group. And so I started attending practices several times a week and um, doing competitions. And uh, it was just a wonderful way to, to jump into a new uh, expansion of a hobby I already really did, really enjoyed. So we did ballroom and, and standard and Latin and smooth and rhythm, which are different styles of ballroom dance. And it, it was just great. I, I uh, thoroughly enjoy ballroom dancing and highly recommend it to anyone who would like to try it. How about you, Lizzie? How did you get started? I totally agree with you. Uh, it's funny when you mention um, some of your clogging experience, it yes. sounds really similar to flamenco in a lot of ways because flamenco can yeah. be very um, independent and solo. It can be done in a group where everyone's dancing by themselves, but sort of almost like line dancing um, yeah. in a way, but then it can also be done in partners. Um, so that was just really um, fun to hear you speak about that experience. And then when I think about um how um how it's done you know with all the there's a lot of stomping um and yes. Bob actually <laughs> got really bad bursitis in, in Spain oh, no. <laughs> I guess I was going a little too hard on the flamenco um <laughs> but um yeah so yeah it, it's, it's really fun I mean there uh if you kind of picture like are those called Mary Janes Caitlin like the like high heels that like little kids wear it's like do you know what I'm talking oh, yeah, about? With the strap over Jane's? the foot, like yeah, exactly. square toed and then the exactly. strap over the foot. Yes, I think you're right. And, and they're they're like a block heel in the back. Yes. That's how that's how the flamenco shoes look. So nice. you picture they're probably about like two, two, two and a half inches high. And you know, you just picture people, you know, wearing long skirts, you know, that go down to their, you know, down to the floor almost. Um, and you know, just you know, stomping and clapping, and it's it's very very cool. It's, it's a lot of fun. And then you know, there's sometimes you use your toe, other times you just use your heel, other times it's a full foot stump. So it's it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, That's great. Yeah, and and I mean, I I got started um, dancing when I was really little too, but not not formally. It was never a formal thing. My family just really loves to dance. So like, if we have you know, a barbecue in the summer, it always ends with the music, you know, turned up way loud and everyone <laughs> on the dance floor. It just, it Love always it. ends that way. So, um, it, it really is just something that, um, is a part of my culture and a part of something that my family does all the time. And there would always be, especially living in the city in Philly, um, there were always new dances that, that would come out like every summer. So like, I don't know. I remember like everybody's like, doing like the DMAC one, one summer and like the Wu-Tang another summer. Like, it was always like, there were always these different dances. Um, we were doing the Harlem shake before this uh, nonsensical shaking your whole body around became the Harlem <laughs> shake, which is kind of like a kind of That's like great. You know, making fun of it. We're doing the actual Harlem shake. Um, back, but this is like way, you know, I was like eight at the time. So yes. um, yeah, you know, so like there were just like all these different dances that would come out and, 
my cousins, you know, they would learn them and I wanted to know too. So I'm like, Hey, you know, show me. And that really is what formed the basis of my formal dance classes was, you know, pretty much me as, you know, five, six, seven, eight year old girl learning to dance in the summers, um, you know, from my older cousins or cousins who are, who are the same age as me. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, they may do a move and I would tactically like watch their movements, you know, just by touching, say their hands or their shoulders or whatever, and seeing Mm -hmm. what they're doing. And other times they would, um, you know, show me how to move by minute, like, you know, moving my body and like showing me Mm -hmm. like, no, it's not quite like that. It's more like sometimes they would do it through description. And that really is how I became comfortable with dance. And that really is um, how I learned. So I, I often wonder how my experience would have been different if um, I didn't have that experience um, of, you know, being comfortable dancing um, in that sort of fam- familial space. I don't know how yeah. it would have changed, but I- I'm glad that I did have that opportunity. That's so great. Yeah. Um, so with partner dance specifically, um, how did you get started in that piece aside from ballroom dancing or was ballroom dancing uh, your introduction into partner dance? Well, actually that reminds me, good, good point. I actually had done a little bit of social swing dancing among a few other dances. I dabbled in a little bit of salsa when I was kind of a preteen and teenager. So um, my brothers, my life, two older brothers, and they were really into swing dancing for a while. And so of course, kind of like you said, you know, they taught me a lot. I, I wanted to learn. I asked them to teach me, even though I was kind of the youngest one hanging around whenever <laughs> they were having teen parties and that sort of thing. And so I learned some basic swing dancing, two-step swing and triple-step swing and really loved it. I, I um, really enjoyed the art of, of following at that time, which I still do. At, at that point, I was pretty short, so <laughs> I was generally a follower. Now I've done both leading and following. Um, but <laughs> that really got me started, really got me a love for being able to do something where you're out on the floor and you know that you've got this big flat space around you. And so you really can just relax and let go, not worry about, you know, when you're maybe walking around with your cane that you might hit an obstacle or thinking if there are stairs around you, you're just out on this dance floor. It's flat. It's safe. Um, Sure, there's other couples around you, but everybody runs into each other, whether you're sighted or blind. So (laughs) that's nothing new there. And so that was great. I, I love that. I actually took a dance sampler class um, with my older brothers and my mom at the community college when I was 11. It was my very first community college class. And we did uh, about five weeks of salsa, about five weeks of swing, and then had a couple weeks on foxtrot and lindy hop and waltz, I think. And so that also got me into this knowledge of, you know, just realizing there was this really cool thing out there of social dance and um kind of hearing about competitive dance and things like that. And then it really wasn't till maybe 10 years later uh, that I delved into it more deeply and started pursuing it more seriously with weekly lessons and workshops and going to socials more regularly. I vibe with that, you know, because it's yes. like, so, you know, just like signing up, you know, at the local college and just like, I'm sure you were like the youngest person there, weren't you? Yes, yes. I figured, <laughs> you know, and just kind of, you know, just going and being really interested and really excited to learn. Um, that's that's so cool. Um, my first time swing dancing was in summer camp and um, it was 
it was a really, it was, a, it was technically called a leadership conference. They would have been very insulted to hear it being called a summer camp. Um, so I should <laughs> take that back. Um, but it was just so much fun. And it was yet another time where we didn't exactly like build in accommodations for it, but everyone mm-hmm. in the program was very accommodating, which sometimes can be yeah. even more important. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, I, cause sometimes you build in accommodations for something and people are not accommodating at all. And it's kind of a pain, but when even when you can do something spare of the moment, um, and people can just accommodate you, that's so, so helpful. Um, yeah. and, and I find that an accommodating dance teacher is the most important piece, um, of the whole thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's, that's pretty much how it was. He was excited. The, the instructor was really excited to, um, teach me. It actually was not nearly as hands-on as it typically would have been. He was pretty much just teaching mm-hmm. the class. And then, um, I, I don't remember who it was. It must've been like a friend or someone, but someone was sort of teaching me on the side, um, while mm. he taught the main class. So they were sort of like watching him and mm-hmm. then I would watch them as they watched him. Um, and that was sort of, um, yeah, what we did and how I learned. And just like you said, it was very social. So we would, you know, switch partners all around and we would just have mm-hmm. so much fun, um, you know, everyone dancing together. And uh, he was really good. He was doing like aerials and like all sorts of crazy oh, things. Nice. Um, yeah, it was, for those of you who don't know, that's when they're like throwing each other up in the air and doing, it's it's really cool. Um, so that's I don't great. even, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I did, I had a really good instructor and that was definitely my entry, um, into partner dancing. It was, it was definitely with swing dance beyond that, or before that, I should say, um, I had only done solo freestyle, um, just sort of for fun kind of dancing. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned something earlier and it brings me right into my next question, which is going into dance, whether it be at the college level, um, or any other level, did you have any fears uh, or worries? Yes. Well, <laughs> I think, you know, often as blind people, whenever we go into a new situation, there can be a tendency to have a little bit of anxiety. I mean, you know, I, um, I think of myself as a fairly confident blind person, but I still, when I'm going somewhere new, I'm kind of on my guard, if you will, you know, my, um, skills are kind of at their sharpest point. I want to use all my orientation skills and make sure that I'm using good cane travel and, you know, alerted to my surroundings and making sure I've done my research so I know what to expect. And this could be whether I'm traveling to a new place or taking a new class or whatever, you know, I've done my preliminary work, so I kind of want to know what to expect, but it's still a new situation. And sometimes unexpected things happen. Maybe you're not going to run into someone who's very accommodating or whatever it might be. So I think Mm -hmm. in that situation, there can be a tendency to have a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear going into it. Um, And I, I certainly have experienced that throughout my life. I think it always helps to have I like to say, bring a buddy, you know, it always helps to have a friend along. Um, When I was younger, it was one of my family members because I was so young at that community college class. I had the support of my family, which made it way less intimidating because I knew that if I didn't get something, one of them could fill in the gaps or uh, even just being such a young person among college students. I, you know, had that support when I was going off at the ballroom competition team at Carnegie Mellon, um, you know, even though I had done a little bit of dance, uh, leading up to that, it had been a long time and I, I didn't know that much. And it was all new people and, you know, walking into a room of a hundred people where there's music and things are happening and people are talking and 
you know, kind of loud voices because there's loud music and that can be kind of intimidating and, and it is. So I think that's definitely happened to me. Um, know that you're not alone. I mean, I think even people who are more introverted and shy who go to dance socials or dance events sometimes have to overcome that as well, even if they're sighted, just because it's kind of overwhelming going into a room of strangers. But I think that's one of the beautiful things about social dance is that nobody cares. You know, we're not there to judge each other. We're not there to make people feel uncomfortable. It's a very welcoming environment in my experience. And whether you're at a salsa social or, you know, taking some ballroom lessons or at a, at a swing dance, um, people are really welcoming. People want you to have a good time. They want you to feel uh, like you are welcome there and you belong there. And so even though I may have been a little intimidated, a little nervous, if I was going to meet people, if I was going to understand things, um, going in just with the sense that, you know, you're not alone. Any newcomers kind of feel that way a little bit. And uh, just having the confidence to know that, hey, you know, this is going to be fun. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this to have a good time. Um, whatever I end up getting out of it is going to be great. And, uh, you know, I can speak more to that as far as lessons go, but just, just having a good attitude, know that maybe you're not going to pick up on every nuance the first time and that's okay. But uh, know that it's a very welcoming environment and people really do, uh, you know, want to build each other up. I've really had great experiences with the dance community being very welcoming, very supportive, very encouraging, which is, is just wonderful. I totally agree with you. It is yeah. a very welcoming environment. Um, people, uh, they really want to see you do well. And sometimes like if the instructor's is explaining something in a way that doesn't make sense to you, yeah. um, someone in the room may have a better way of explaining it to you and they'll share right. that with you because they want, you know, it's not competitive, you know, yeah. at least like not with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So exactly. I, I actually had agree. a, yeah, I had a, <laughs> a former um, more advanced dancer who was teaching some lessons, you know, sometimes would say, in our competition team lessons, this guys just have fun. Nobody's judging you. Well, except the judges, but you know, that's like, <laughs> so it's like not until you're out, if you're doing competition dances, sure. When you're on the competition floor, it's a competition, but until you get to that point, you know, have fun with it, be relaxed, build each other up, get tips from the other dancers. It's a great environment. Yeah. I think for me, when I first started, um, my biggest fear in a like a, in a in a classroom setting was just looking stupid. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. what if everyone else is like, I don't know, putting their hands up at I don't know a 45 degree angle, and I'm right. putting my hands up at like a 90 degree angle. I'm like, that's embarrassing. Right. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, it never happened, by the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just something that um, you don't need to worry about um, mm -hmm. as far as as that piece goes, you do have to uh, advocate for yourself. And we'll get into that with the next question. But mm -hmm. um, as long as you are open and honest uh, with the instructor about what your needs are, um, we'll give you some tips about what your needs might be. Um, and obviously you can adapt all of this to you specifically, mm -hmm. but as long as you're open and honest with the instructor um, and, and, you know, and with your, your fellow you know, dance, dance mates too. Yeah. Um, everything will be just fine. Like it's a very, um, you know, if you're not used to moving your body, I know a lot, a lot of blind people don't really dance because, you know, it's, it's kind of a situation where it's like, Oh, we're all dancing. You go sit down. Um, so yeah. maybe you don't even know like where to start, you know what I mean? Right. Um, which is why we started the dance seminar. Um, yes. what's gosh, what was that? 26 years ago. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did. We've that done it exactly, for five or six years now. Exactly. You know, that's exactly why we started it is because we really want blind people to know that you can dance too. Um, 
Yes. And you can be good at it. I actually have a funny story about that. Um, so yeah. apparently when I was in Spain, one of my friends who was not in the dance class uh, was telling her host family like, oh yeah, you know, there's a girl and she's blind and she's, you know, doing the flamenco dance. And they're like, what? Um, <laughs> and the, the way that the program went was a lot of the host families had hosted before. So um, we would have this big end of semester party uh, um you know, just in May. Um, and, you know, there would be like an art show for whoever did art and, and you know, the dance showcase and all these different things. And anyways, um, they had students in the past, they hosted students in the past who had done the dance, yeah, you know, the dance piece. And so they just couldn't believe that, you know, there would be a blind person dancing in flamenco. <laughs> so they were like, so, you know, excited, you know, how this, how this goes, you know, like, oh, so amazing, whatever. Um, and they came to the show and my friends didn't say anything more than the fact that I was blind and that I was dancing flamenco. So they said, oh, my goodness, she did so great. Uh, you know, she you know, what a, what a great job she did. Oh, you know, we can't believe it. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, but why was she wearing glasses if she's blind? And my friend goes, <laughs> she wasn't wearing glasses. And then they go, yeah, she was that girl right there. And so my friend, my friend goes, they thought that the worst person who was dancing oh. would have been the blind person. And they were like, but it was, she's like, but it wasn't. And then she's like, so I point you out. And they're like, it was her. And then, like, you know, it's like this whole big thing. So, so basically I, sh- I share that story to say, don't worry about looking ridiculous. Um, yeah. Beyond my summer experience, flamenco was my first like serious dance class. And so I really was concerned that, you know, everyone else would be doing a certain move and maybe I forgot something or maybe I looked ridiculous, but I I didn't. And (laughs) apparently I was doing better than some of the sighted people. So just don't, don't, people will make, you know, people will try to make you believe that you're going to be the worst person there because you're blind, but it's just not true. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just heard a story that proves that. So I want to add to that too, that totally agree. And remember, especially if you're taking a beginner class, everyone else is a beginner too, you Mm -hmm. know, like maybe there's someone in there that has some secret dance experience, but they should be in the intermediate (laughs) class anyway. So, you know, (laughs) but like, you know, everyone else is just starting out. So it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to not know what you're doing. Even if you did hold your arms at a 45 degree angle instead of a 90 degree angle, right? Like it's not the end of the world because there's probably someone else holding them at a 30 degree angle. And who, you know, <laughs> who knows what everyone's doing. So just know that you're not alone. Um, and, and that's a great place to start. If you are concerned, take the total, you know, first beginning class and you'll be right there learning from the ground up with everyone else. And I think that another thing to do is to just really have fun with it. Like Caitlin was saying earlier, but like not, not even just saying like, okay, I'm going to have fun, but like right. actually having fun, you know what I yes. mean? Like smiling yes. and like, maybe your hands are at that 45 degree angle, but like, you know, if you're doing flamenco and you kind of, you know, spin your wrist while you do it, it looks like you're kind of doing the right thing. And maybe everyone else looks like they're doing the wrong thing. Yes. People will believe it. If you make people believe it, they'll believe it. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. <laughs> so true. So, um, Jumping into the next question, Caitlin, how did your um, dance instructors, it could be your first or last, any of them um, who jump out at you, how did they react to your blindness? Yeah, you know, uh, I've, I've been very blessed that I've had a lot of good experiences um, throughout my life where I feel like, again, if you go in with confidence, kind of saying, this is what I need, this is how you can help me, um, knowing that sure, there are going to be some days that are more frustrating than others, but going in with a good attitude, that really helps the instructor feel 
comfortable. And like, if you're comfortable, they're comfortable. You know, if, if you're mm-hmm. really concerned and that's hard because that, that puts the kind of the burden on us blind people often to, to be that way, but it's really true. You know, if you walk in, even if you don't feel totally confident, if you put on a air of confidence and uh, like you want to do this, you're going to put your effort into it. You're going to work hard. You're, you're having a good attitude. That'll really help the instructor be encouraged that, Oh, okay, cool. This, this person is going to work hard and they're going to be, uh, you know, someone really pleasant and enjoyable to work with. So that's helpful. Um, I, I think sometimes there have been cases where instructor has no idea. And, and it's nice, actually, I'd rather them tell me that, that they're like, I have no idea how I'm going to teach you, you know, because then I can work with that. And I could say, okay, let's work on this. Let's figure out some strategies versus maybe acting like, uh, you know, they're happy to have me in their class when they're kind of secretly not sure how this is going to work. But I, again, I think I've had some really good experiences. Um, I think it always helps to preempt any potentially negative experiences by just chatting with the instructor and, um, you know, getting those expectations set at the beginning uh, so that you don't have misunderstandings later on and, um, you know, and, and encouraging them to come to you if they do have concerns and, and ask you what, uh, you know, how, how can we work through this? What is the best way for me to help you learn and that sort of thing? So, um, you know, and I think throughout my experience too, in clogging and, in ballroom, a lot of instructors have been student instructors at various levels. So sometimes it's different students teaching each other in the 4-H group. You know, we had some of the more advanced dancers teaching the beginning class, things like that. In ballroom, similarly, some of the more advanced dancers might teach the lower level classes. And then you also take lessons with professional instructors, but you're getting a mixture. So, you know, sometimes it just depends. Um, You know, not everyone is going to have amazing instructional experience that they've maybe only been teaching this is their first time or they've been teaching for a few months and um and so giving grace to the instructors is always a good thing too but uh i i think you know knowing also that not everyone is going to love the idea of having a blind answer and that's okay it's not your job to win them over or make you feel you know you don't have to feel like you need to be the most perfect blind person in the world because that takes the fun out of it as well so um just, just going in with a, uh, a good attitude and, and really having good communication with the instructors, I think, always helps. Mm-hmm. Good communication is always um, the key to any advocacy. Yes. I will say I've had, um, I would say that I've had instructors on both ends of the, of the spectrum, yes. but yes. I, I usually, so um, I guess because of the way I started out with dance, I always knew that I could. Um, and that in itself kind of gave me the confidence that you're talking about, but I like, you know, which is what I was talking about earlier. I don't know how I would have reacted otherwise, but what I will say is this, I guess my first instructors were my cousins. And Mm -hmm. then my next instructor was that swing dance instructor, which Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to ask for formal accommodations. I didn't even know that we were going to be doing a swing dance class before Mm -hmm. that, you know, like there was like, it was just like an an activity in the summer um, situation. And and there was no like, Oh, like, how can we adapt this? Like, I don't even know. But like I said, they were all very accommodating. So we just kind of made it work, you know? Um, I'm sure, I'm sure it could have been better, especially knowing what I know now, but for, for that time and that time period in my life and for what the, the activity was, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I get to college and, um, I went to Bryn Mawr and Bryn Mawr is a very, um, it's a very dance heavy school. So they have a really good dance program. One of the best mm-hmm. in the country, but, uh, 
when I wanted to take ballet because, you know, they have some of like the top instructors there for ballet. Uh, when I wanted to take ballet and that counted as a, you know, a, a gym class, uh, which we mm-hmm. needed to do to graduate, mm-hmm. the instructor responded with, oh yeah, you can join the class, but who's going to teach you? And I'm just <laughs> like, um, like, you know, you're the instructor. Like, what do you, you know, what, yeah. what do you mean? Who's going to teach me? You know? And at that point I, um, only had the experience of family teaching me. And then, you know, that summer camp experience where it was like, oh, I I sort of did have like a separate teacher. Like the main instructor didn't teach me, you know, like when you think about it, he didn't mean it in that way. And I didn't take it in that way. Um, But, you know, now that she had put it in those sort of terms, it it made it really awkward. Um, So I opted, yeah, right. So I opted to not take the ballet classes. It is a regret of mine. I probably should have just done it my mm-hmm. senior year, but I was busy doing other things like, you know, writing a thesis and dying. So, um, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get around to taking it, but my experience in Spain really, um, showed me what a dance class could be and what it should be. Yeah. Um, and basically what happened there was that everyone was required to try every class in the program. It wasn't a huge program. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a big deal. Um, but as part of orientation, we all had to go to every single class and flamenco was one of them. So mm-hmm. we, uh, you know, we, I, I was, you know, kind of a bit, a bit nervous going in thinking, mm-hmm. you know, you know, is she going to ask who's going to teach me? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what is this going to be like? Yeah. Um, and basically, and this is one of my, uh, tips that comes up later. Basically what I did was uh, I, I went to the class and I stood front and center and, um, you know, she was describing what to do. Of course she was speaking only in Spanish and I <laughs> spoke like high school Spanish and that's how, you know, like I took some Spanish in college, but it wasn't, it was nothing like going to the, you know, the country and not hearing English anymore. Yeah. So I didn't know what she was talking about, but I was just kind of like smiling and like, I was just kind of, you know, just going with it, but I wanted to know, you know, and I wanted yeah. to learn and, and she came over and she, you know, was sort of like, you know, like move my shoulders. Like she didn't know what she was doing either. We were just kind of working <laughs> together, you know? And I, I appreciated how she reacted to me, even without, you know, we had never met before. We had never right. spoken. You know what I mean? I just right. appreciated that she respected me wanting to do it. And I respected her wanting me to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, I ended up switching out one of the classes. I don't remember which one it was, but I ended up switching out one of my original classes for the dance class. And, um, she came to me, she said, Lizzie. And I said, yeah. She's like, you want to take my class? And I was like, yeah, is that okay? And she's like, of course. She was like, and she's like coming to me and she has all these ideas. And she's like, listen, like we can just do this. And mind you, I still don't speak very good Spanish at this point. (laughs) So I didn't really know what she was talking about still, but it was, you know, I just, her enthusiasm. I just, I really, really loved it. And, um, you know, ever since I've experienced that, I I won't accept anything less, you know what I mean? Like, right. You know, it's like, after you know how things should be and, and what, um, a good instructor looks like and, and is like, um, you just, you don't have to accept anything less. So yeah. 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 No, that just, that's such a good point because I'm, as you've been talking, I've been remembering some different experiences here too. And I, it's, it's true. I think a good instructor makes all the difference. And sometimes, you know, we can't change someone's mind if they're not willing to to do that. But that just reminded me of, of um, a couple of things where, you know, I think sometimes too, once you are a little bit more advanced, it's trickier because you might be jumping into a new workshop and you don't know if it's the right level for you, but you probably is. But then I sometimes fall into the pitfall of maybe doubting myself that, well, maybe this is too high of a level for me because, you know, I don't know. And so then I'm a little timid to actually make the 
connection with the instructor and make it, you know, make sure they're really explaining it to me because I don't want everyone to else to be held back. And, and that can, that's been a struggle, I think, in, you know, your question earlier of what has my experience been with some teachers where it's a little bit my own issue where I, you know, maybe should have clarified ahead of time if that was the, the right class, but also doubting myself and doubting my abilities. And, you know, I really should be confident. And yes, this is a good class for me, you know, so that, that just reminded me of that. But then also I, I was reminded of uh, an awesome student teacher at Cornell University, Daria, who really just went above and beyond. She wanted to make the Latin classes accessible to me. She wanted to make sure I was getting things done. And she was, um, you know, she was just helping out the team because she was a, a, a former competitive dancer who was really fabulous and would teach these advanced Latin classes. And it was just someone who she was like, let's make this work. How can I help you? And even when she was doing these really rigorous uh, exercises and, you know, putting us through doing a giant Volta circle when we were practicing Samba around the room, like she wanted to make sure that I was able to be involved and able to do things well and challenge myself too. Like she really raised my expectations for what I could do as a Latin dancer too. So I think that's important too, is when the teacher you know, like you said, they have all these ideas and they want you to succeed. That really helps. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I think too, though, um, that I, I, and I'm not sure if this is true. It's just a theory, a personal theory that I have. I think too, though, that um, a lot of the more freestyle and like creative um, dance instructors are some of the most accommodating, whereas like the yeah. more like sort of rigid, like, yeah, you know, classical things have to be, you know, ABC, like they, it can be a bit um, right. a bit different, but as we know, um, you know, pr- given our November episode, ballet can be done and the classical, you know, styles of performing, um, they yes. can be done for sure. Um, yes. it's just a matter of, you know, knowing what accommodations you need. Um, and if you would like ideas on that, definitely check out our, check out our November episode. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like what you mentioned about doubting your own abilities. Um, mm-hmm. because I feel like that can be so real, it's mm-hmm. not, I'm the opposite of you. I mm-hmm. am the kind of person where I will, before I go into the class, I'm like, oh no, I don't remember any, I did this to myself this semester, taking my yeah. Chinese class off topic. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm like, I don't remember anything. It's been three years since I studied this language. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Since I studied this thing. Yes. And like, I just put me in level one. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And oh, I don't need too. to be yeah. in level one. <laughs> like I remember yeah, stuff. True. <laughs> like I am the opposite. So then like, I'm in a class Hilarious. and I'm like, oh gosh, this is boring. You know? And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, and I already learned this. And of course I remember that. I'm like, well, I didn't need for you to actually put me in level one. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, so I have the opposite problem. And then I started yeah. thinking that I'm like the TA or something. So I start like helping people and I'm like, wait, I need to like check myself. <laughs> like I'm not the professor just because Love I remember it. something like, you know? So, so I think that, um, Doubting your abilities can go in one of two directions. Yeah. Um, but actually, Caitlin, I think that you are at the way that, that you're doing it is, is more of the benefit because you'd rather be in the classes like a little bit higher because right. then people can always uh, refresh their memories or yeah. people can always use, you know, uh, seeing the instructor do it one, you know, one more time. Um, right, right. I do That's remember true. feeling that way a little bit when I was doing flamenco because she would show the entire class like once, maybe twice. And yeah. then she would come over and show me where I was able to, cause it's a lot of footwork. So I had to, yeah. you know, like bend over and touch her feet and feel what she was doing. So I was like, Oh, like, is this awkward? Like people are watching me watch her. I'm like, is this right. like, like, so I'm, like I did have those thoughts and I, it's kind of funny cause I, I sort of forgot about those until you mentioned yes. um, your situation, but I, I do remember having those feelings, but honestly, I'm, I'm certain that everyone became a better dancer for it because yeah. 
while she was showing me, they were to be practicing it as well. But also right, right. if they didn't get it the first or second time, because hello, it, it is dance. Sometimes you need to see it yes. more than once, more than twice. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, it's like the age it, old, the age old adage of, you know, someone else probably has the same question as you. So exactly. ask it, you know, <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, you know, I'm sure that they really did benefit from, from watching her, uh, you know, teach it a second time. And, and I had, you know, I was really vocal because when she was teaching me, she was really, she was right. Everyone could see her do it. So she was teaching everyone. But right. if she moved her feet like way too quickly, I'm going to say something because what's the point yeah. of me sitting there pretending <laughs> like I know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it was really funny too, because, um, in flamenco, as I mentioned, you wear really long skirts. So there were times when like, I would have the beat down and she like, you know, like things just kind of went quickly. So I was like, Oh, I'm just going to cheat. And like, you know, I'm going to make the right sounds and <laughs> like the skirt so long that she'll never know. And she didn't know. And so like, yes. I would like, you know, be cheating. And then she would come over to me and then she'd be like, wait, I can't see your feet. And she would move my skirt and she wouldn't make me, she wouldn't wash my feet. And then I was like, oh, she did it to everyone. So, so it wasn't just so me, good. but it was just funny because it was like, Err. so sometimes the girls can get away with it. The boys, yeah. you know, they're wearing pants, so they can't get away with anything. Sorry yeah. guys. But, um, yeah, it's <laughs> just, it. um, it's, it's, it's really funny. Um, okay. So walk us through, like you've done many different styles of dance, but in general, what are dance lessons like? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, if you're going to a beginning lesson, you're probably going to start with a really basic move. So let's say we're taking a waltz lesson. You're going to probably show up. Um, you know, I can touch, touch on this more too, but, uh, I've always, if it's a new instructor, like to speak to the instructor at the beginning before class starts, I introduce myself and talk about any accommodations I need. Um, but usually, you know, in a, in a basic class, you'll maybe be learning, uh, a step, and so let's say we learn the, the, the waltz basic, um, which is kind of a box, a box step. And uh, the instructor is probably going to be standing at the front of the class with everyone behind them. Usually their back will be turned so you can mirror them. Uh, or actually, I shouldn't say mirror them. You can follow them directly. Some people do it in mirror so they face you and they're doing the opposite foot. Um, and uh, so, you know, you maybe go through a basic step or two. And then if it's a, a partner dance, you know, they'll put you together and they'll talk about frame or the connection or the hold or however you are connecting with your partner. And they'll work on that, maybe come around, check everybody's frames. Um, and then, you know, maybe you'll, you'll try it uh, like that a few times and then they'll put on music or maybe they'll, they'll have done the music earlier too before you get in partnership and do it with music and do a few steps with music and then you'll kind of repeat the process where maybe you add a second step so once you've done the box step you add an underarm turn and then you put those two things together and you do that again in partnership and you do it again with music and usually in social classes you'll rotate partners so sometimes I, I prefer it I usually I'm a follow. And so I prefer it when they have the leads, the guys or the leads, you know, rotate around the room clockwise or counterclockwise line of dance, um, which is great. Or if it's the follows rotating that that's fine too, but you know, they'll have everyone move around the circle one place. So then you get to dance with a new person, which is great because you get to meet people and make sure that you're, you know, able to lead and follow other people, um, which is a really wonderful skill for social dancing. So you'll usually do that. Maybe, you know, if it's an hour lesson, maybe you'll learn three or four steps, depending if they're beginning steps, you might, you know, learn three or four. If, it, if it's an advanced class, maybe you'll just spend the whole class on one step and really perfecting technique and what you're doing uh, with your feet or what you're doing with your frame or what you're doing with your head weight or things like that. So, um, you know, and, and some instructors will maybe fo focus more on steps. Maybe they say that this class is all about learning moves. You know, we're going to learn a whole routine and we're going to do this whole thing by the end of the class. And others will say, this is a technique heavy class. You know, today we're really focusing 
on Rise and Fall and Waltz or uh, hip action in cha-cha or something like that. So, you know, there's different styles of lessons, but um, a lot of times it's, you know, working on a, a step or a routine and then maybe adding some technique elements to that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and I don't have anything particular to add. So we're just going to move right on to the next question. Sure. And how do you usually learn the moves? So this is where, again, you want to do what works best for you, you know, make sure um, you try out some different things, try out some different ways. So, you know, uh, yourself and you know, your body, you know, your learning style, how you learn best for me. Um, usually I, uh, ask the instructor to be really super verbal. And so I want them to, you know, tell me, are you using, first of all, using your right foot or your left foot? Cause so often they say, take this foot and I'm like, which foot is it? You know, <laughs> I don't know what this means. Um, so, you know, be really verbal and, um, ask them to, to describe, you know, right and left. If they have difficulty with right and left, which a surprising number of ballroom dancers do, um, you know, say, all right, let's establish what wall we're talking about. There's the door wall where we entered through, there's the mirror wall and there's the window wall and there's the back wall or I don't know the painting wall you the know or speaker something like wall that too yes exactly the speaker wall um yeah or if, if walls are different colors you can have someone tell you what colors the walls are okay the green wall and the red wall or something like that um yeah or if you know east west north south but most people that confuses them even more so <laughs> um but yeah so you know have them orient you that way okay we're going to take the uh we're going to face the door wall and we're going to take our hand facing the mirror and put it up at a 45 degree angle or, you know, whatever it is, be super verbal. Um, again, with, with the parts of the body as well, if you're saying we're taking a step forward, is, this is going to be a heel step, or we're going to take the ball of our foot and we're going to drag it in a arc, you know, around the left side of your body or something like that. Um, being really verbal, we're using our hands, we're creating this motion you're going to, uh, you know, start with your hand by your shoulder and extend it vertically slowly. So it passes your ear and it turns outward and, you know, extends straight up into the sky. I don't know, but different, <laughs> different ways of verbalizing things. So, so verbal instructions are super helpful, which is also when I teach, um, I really try to be as verbal as possible. And then, uh, like you said, Lizzie, being in the front of the class is really helpful. Um, whether you're, you know, whether you have any vision or not, I have a little bit of vision. So sometimes for me, I can see, I can stand in the front center and I can see maybe the person's kind of the outline of their legs and feet. And that's sometimes helpful to me because if they don't explain everything in detail, I can say, okay, I see that they stepped, um, you know, pretty wide on this step to the side versus, oh, that was a really small step. Okay. And so that might, you know, help someone with low vision, uh, getting a little bit of the visual feedback there in the front of the class, or if you don't have any vision still being in the front of the class, it lets the teacher know, Hey, I'm here. You know, I'm a person in your class too. Please make sure that, um, you, you give me some consideration here. Don't forget about me. I'm right here. <laughs> oh yeah. They and won't forget. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's good. Um, also, like you talked about, you know, um, both feeling the instructor and having them position you are both really good techniques. So I will say, can I feel you do this hand motion, please? Hand motions or, or arm movements, um, you know, different ways of calling them. But things with your arms and hands in Latin dancing especially are, are not my strong suit. So I want to ask the instructor, hey, can I do a hand over hand with your hand um, while you're doing this? Uh, like New Yorker move during, during rumba. And they say, sure. Usually most of the time. So I put my hand on top of their hand and I feel them as they, you know, extend their elbow and then the wrist and then the fingers out to the side. And it helps me understand, oh, okay, cool. I can feel the direction. I can feel the speed. I can feel the shape. Um, that's really helpful to me. Same thing with feet. Maybe I'll feel someone's foot position. Maybe I'll feel, um, 
you know, the way that they're leaning, tilting their head or things like that. And then, like you said, too, having them move my body into the correct positioning, you know, can you check me? Is this right? Uh, no, your, your right shoulder's up. Oh, okay. You know, push it down a little bit for me or whatever. How is my arm? Oh, your fingers should be more like this. And they kind of, you know, put my fingers in the correct um, ballet hand position or whatever it might be. So both of those methods are really helpful. Um, asking, I think this was on the ballet episode as well, but asking to be the demonstrator. So if you're in maybe a social swing class and they're going to teach three different turns through the course of the hour, you know, ask, Hey, can you use me as a demo so that as you're teaching, um, you lead me through this step, especially if you're a follower, if you're a leader, this could work too. Um, Cause the instructor can follow you and, you know, they can, kind of show you the move as they're teaching it to everyone else. And that's really helpful because you're, you're kind of, uh, it, it doesn't take any more time for them, but they can use you as um, one of the people they're demonstrating the move with. And you get to learn at the same time, which often they, they do, you know, an instructor will pull someone out of the class, especially mm-hmm. if they don't have a co-teacher and say, Hey, I'm going to show you this. And so, you know, they don't have to use you all the time, but um, that's a great way to have kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone, starry birds. Um, but you know, like it's, it's really helpful. So I, I sometimes forget to ask about that, but that's excellent. Sometimes an instructor will think of that even if I forget and I'm like, Oh, perfect. Thank you. This is great. So, um, those are a few things that I've, that I've done. What about you, Lizzie? What have you done to, to help learn? Yes. So I've done every single thing that you've mentioned. Yes. Um, I am a huge fan of the different uh, orientation, especially because there's a lot of spins sometimes right. in flamenco. Um, and I've often used wherever the music is located um, yeah. as a way of knowing if I've completed a spin or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do prefer it when dance classes are not like surround sound kind of speakers because that's yeah. helpful. But yeah. <laughs> but if there's sort of like a speaker like an, on one wall or in one corner or something like that, that's really yeah. helpful. Um, if I'm for flamenco, it was great because, you know, the front of the classroom was the mirror wall. The door mm-hmm. wall was on the right. Um, mm-hmm. The window wall had the sun coming through and there was also, also some traffic coming from the nice. left. And then the speaker wall was in the back. It was just nice. perfect. Like there was yeah. like literally, and it doesn't always work out that way, but when um, you have these different surroundings, I highly, highly encourage you to use them. Um if need be, and you're doing some moving around and you need to know how far to move, there's also the option of using tactile tape for the floor. Mm-hmm. I have not used that um, yet, but I do plan on using it in the future because yes. um, it's it's just a really great tactic. Um, another thing that I've used is shortcuts. So maybe mm-hmm. uh, the instructor will um, explain, like go into really deep detail about how to do something. But once you have it down, especially if it's a repeated move, they may just give that move a name, um, right. you know, and, and it could be something with anything, usually it's like a one syllable word, um, yeah. you know, hit or whatever, you know what I mean? Just all these different yeah. things, uh, different words that instructors, you know, use, but as long as they're using that word for that specific move, everything can't be a hit, um, right. because right. that's confusing. But, um, you know, if, if there's a sort of code that you and the instructor have worked out, that's worked really, really well for me. Um, yeah. And yeah, those are definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go for a it. few more. Yeah. No, that reminded me of a couple more things too. Like you said, uh, naming the moves is really important, which with more classical style dances, that's kind of already taken care of for you with ballet or even in ballroom, you know, um, a lot of the steps have names, which is great. Cause yes, then once you learn it, it's like, okay, our routine is going to be this, 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 and this. Oh, cool. I already know what those are, which is great. You know, or even with clogging, 
a lot of steps would have funny names like the outhouse or I don't know, the, <laughs> the Joey or whatever. And, uh, you know, once you know those steps, you know that step. And sure, maybe the arm movements will be a little bit different, but that's a really great baseline. And then, yeah, you can name steps too. And you can have fun with it. You know, you could give steps a fun name. We <laughs> had one girl who came up with this step in clogging and she named it the hamburger just because it was fun. So now <laughs> I always think of that as the hamburger, right? Which is great. And then, yeah, also just wanted to, to add, I mentioned this earlier, but again, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, there's always someone who's going to be wanting to ask that same question, but might not be as courageous as you are. So ask it, um, even in the lesson, you know, say, Hey, can you come over and check me to make sure I'm doing okay. And then after the lesson, if you're still not sure, you know, ask the instructor, Hey, could you just run over it with me for five minutes? And even, you know, I haven't done this in a long time, but I, I used to do this sometimes in clogging where I'd show up ahead of time and ask, can Mm -hmm. you show me the stuff you're going to go over today? Right. And, and usually when it's just one person, you can learn it really quick. You know, if it's four steps or whatever, Oh, cool. All right. Now I already know what they are. So I can follow along with the rest of the class. That's another really great technique. And then you know, also other people will be wanting to practice too. And so pair up with someone maybe after class or on a different day or whatever, you know, if it's a social thing, um, you might not have as much structured time, but uh, grab a, grab a friend, grab someone else say, Hey, you want to practice that step? You want to practice it and, and see how it goes. And you can ask them some questions too, and say, is this what, you know, you got out of this? Is this how we're supposed to be doing it? And, and often you'll be surprised because uh, sometimes people have no idea what they're doing still at that point too. So it's like, not everyone is as confident as they seem, but, um, questions, (laughs) questions, questions, don't be afraid to ask them. I agree with that. When I got uh, bursitis in Spain, I actually Mm. had to miss like a lot of dance class, um, like right toward the end too, which is really annoying, but I still had to make it up because I was getting a grade for it. So I did, I had to go to, uh, some of the, my, some of my classmates to just say, Hey, you know, can you show me? And often most of them did not know what they were doing. And they were like, do not ask me because you're better off just making something up by yourself. But they were like, but go to so-and-so she knows. Like there were, there was one girl who really knew it quite well. Um, and they would all, they were like, just, just, just ask her. And I did. And she was, you know, really great at helping. And it's funny because, because she was showing me what to do, uh, people would see her and they were like, Oh, Hey, great. This is like an impromptu lesson because we could all use this, you know, so it kind of became that. And so it was really cool. And I've done the same thing. Um, I've done, uh, reviewing after the class, if I didn't quite get something during, and I've also done learning things ahead of time. And that's actually where I've come up with those sort of, uh, code words with the instructor, because it it's really, um, right. It's really just very easy. That can work really well with, um, this is a different topic, but with dance calls as well for auditions is showing Mm -hmm. up ahead of time, asking the person who's teaching the dance or someone, an assistant or whatever, to teach it to you real quick at the beginning so that you're not so pressured to do it during the dance call. So side note for for that is really true. That's really, really true. Then another thing too, is you'll learn the instructor. There are some instructors who Mm -hmm. come to class. They're very prepared. They know exactly what they're going to teach and you don't have to worry. There's other instructors who are definitely making things up while they're up there. They're definitely making it up on the spot. With those kinds of instructors, you need the code words. Uh, Otherwise, you would just be lost and you'll be frustrated, especially if you're paying for it. Um, Because you're not going to really get anything out of it if they don't come up with some sort of a code word. Because they can't possibly just explain like every single thing, especially if they're going to keep switching it every two seconds. So um, you'll learn your instructor, but just know that it's possible for you to learn from anyone as long as they're willing to be accommodating. It is possible for you to teach um, from the point of the instructor. It's possible for you to teach anyone as long as you're willing to be accommodating. Um, because I've, I've had both (laughs) and yeah, you know, these little tweaks make all the difference. So I I highly recommend code words and actually Caitlin, you're really brave, um, (laughs) for going the day of 
and speaking to your instructor and getting your accommodations <laughs> right before the class. I would never do that, but it's because I'm lazy. No, <laughs> I used to be so good, you know, cause it's true. Like you want to, ideally it's good to call ahead or email, reach out, let them know they have a blind student in the class. Some people disagree and you could, you know, you could debate that too. It's a debate, debate. I, yeah. Yes. You know, but I, I think that is ultimately good because you want them to be prepared. Maybe they'll be really excited and have some really good ideas. But I honestly, yeah. I think I've just gotten lazy where, you know, I'm like, <laughs> Showing up or to more comfortable maybe yeah yeah I, I show up and it also helps if you do have a friend there or in my case if my husband comes along with me or you know mm-hmm. you've got a friend because then you're like all right worst comes to worst I'm, I can ask them what they taught afterwards and you know if I'm if I really don't get it but yeah showing up before um and, and talking to them is key and mentioning those things that we talked about you know can you be verbal can you uh come over and make sure I'm doing it right can I feel your hands if I need to or whatever uh but yes doing it ahead of time is definitely the encouraged method so <laughs> Don't pay attention to what I do. Do as I say. (laughs) Speaking of your husband, let's get into that story. Do share your, your, uh, you know, was it the first class? Did you meet him? How did it go? (laughs) Were your hands at a 45 degree angle when everyone else was at a 90? (laughs) Probably. No. uh, (laughs) Well, yes. So my husband and I did meet doing ballroom dancing and this was at Carnegie Mellon university. So I was pursuing my master's in vocal performance. It was a first year master's student and he was, um, a senior doing a uh, double major in mathematics and logic and computation, as well as a joint master's degree in mathematics. And uh, so he had already been on the ballroom team for about a year and a half. So he was better than I was when we started. And um, I showed up the first day. That day I was really exhausted, but my family convinced me to go to the social. And I definitely danced with him that day. We both remembered the the hustle lesson and then doing social dancing after I, I definitely remember him asking me to dance. That's the other thing too, is that ballroom really encourages, you know, people to ask people to dance, which is awesome because sometimes it's still difficult to find a partner, which we can talk about for social context later, but um, it was great. You know, people ask each other to dance, which is wonderful. So he asked me to dance and we did the, the hustle. I'm pretty sure he gave me some kind of pointer on my arms being too stiff and like needing more elasticity in the connection. And <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, cool. Good, good tip. Um, and I, I, uh, you know, also thought his name was Vic for a while because it was kind of oh. loud in there. You know? <laughs> I'm like, what's your name? He's like, Vic, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. His name is actually Luke. And it was, you know, one of those one syllable words that ends in a sound. And I, I didn't hear because the music was a little loud. So I thought that for a few weeks. And um, at some point someone asked me, oh, have you danced with Luke? You know, he's a, he's a really tall dancer because I was among the taller women. And I was like, Luke, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and we danced off and on and, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of detail to this story. Um, but to make it slightly shorter, I actually asked him to be my partner several times and he turned me down, but <laughs> which I tease him about now because he was looking for a higher level partner, which I understand, you know, I was a newcomer <laughs> in ballroom. You have levels, newcomer, bronze, silver, gold. Those are the syllabus levels. And then you get into the open levels, novice, pre-champ, champ. And so he was already like starting silver and I was still a newcomer. So, you know, I get it, but eventually he didn't have a partner for this competition. I didn't have a partner for this competition. I finally asked him again and he's like, okay, sure. You know, so we, we started dancing 
and um, I wanted to to do it justice and meet him. You know, we had to dance bronze. So I was kind of rushing, jumping to the next level. So I thought, okay, I really need to practice hard. And so we practiced pretty much every day for three weeks leading up to this competition. And when you see someone, you know, so much, so much, so much time during a day, every day for a long period, you really get to know them well. And if you're attracted, you know, that could, can move forward. So we had a lot of fun. We practiced. Um, kept in touch over the winter break and started dating when I came back for the January semester. And the rest is history. We have now been married for four years or four and a half. Wow. Four, four and a half years, years already. Yeah. Wow. I, know, I can't believe it. And it's so <laughs> fun. It's such a blessing because I have a built-in dance partner, which is just incredible. And we love still trying to keep up with it. Um, we've moved a variety of places and we always try to find the university ballroom team there. Uh, to get a part of, which is a great tip because often their lessons are a lot cheaper than if you go to, you know, a, a more professional studio. If you find the university team, a lot of them are really welcoming, even to non-university students. And so um, that's been great. We we love, you know, taking lessons, even just practicing on our driveway or in our family room. And uh, it's so much fun. It's a great form of exercise, obviously a great way to meet people. And um, it's it's just so fun. We you know, have really enjoyed that as a hobby, something we get to do together, which I, again, I, I love for Valentine's day, because, you know, if you need a date idea with your, with mm-hmm. your significant other, try going <laughs> to a dance class. It's really fun. You learn a lot about each other. You get to have fun, uh, learn a new skill, you know, whether you've done it before, you've never done it, give it a try, go to a, a social dance, take a private lesson. It's great. I, I highly recommend it. And if you don't have a Valentine this year and you want one next year, go to a dance class. You know, that's right. You never know who you may meet. Right. Yeah. No, and even just go with a group of friends, you know, it's oh, so, so much true. fun. That the really like the the dance community, you know, you think, oh, is it weird? We're dancing in couples. Is it all couples? Is it all gonna be romantic? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my fun. story turned out that way, but it's it's not that at all. It's just people having fun together. Everyone is very low-key, there's no pressure. So um, you know, yeah, it's it's a great activity. Now, Andy doesn't dance because we might need to change that. Andy dances (laughs) embarrassingly. (laughs) Andy should not dance. He's actually in the other room. He's going to be like, hey, he he has fun with it. He just. All right. All right. We'll you see, never maybe, know. Maybe, maybe if we do something more official, more structured. Um, yes. I should say he doesn't freestyle dance. So maybe that's all right. Maybe if we taught okay. him some ballroom. <laughs> yeah, do like a waltz or a swing. You know, my dad that always would be said fun. he never used to dance. <laughs> my mom was a dancer growing up. She's like, why do you never dance? He finally started trying ballroom when he was 50 and he loves it now. So oh, wow. you know, it's never too late. Andy, you can start now. And you can. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I love that. So that good. personal so shout good. out. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's wrap it up with some advice. What yeah. would you tell people who are thinking about dancing something beyond just go for it? Because I think yeah. we've said that throughout the episode. Sure. So something, yeah, more concrete. Well, okay. So I want to touch on two things too, that mm-hmm. have come up in my head and then I'll see if I have any other advice. Um, you know, do bring a friend, uh, if, if you're worried, you know, it helps to go, there's strength in numbers, right? Grab a couple people. I think that's really good. Um, like we said, communicate early, you know, that's another good tip. Um, one thing I want to mention for, for socials, and this is a little bit more specific than your question. So I apologize, but uh, for, for social dancing, I just wanted to touch on, cause those can be really intimidating. You know, maybe you aren't in a position where you can take a whole series of lessons. Um, and so you might just want to try a salsa club or a swing club and, and go for it, do it, you know, but um, a, a piece of advice that actually I have tried myself, but I, I got from 
Haben Germa, who wrote an amazing book and is also a salsa Should dancer. read it. Yes, <laughs> so good. Um, she, because I asked her, you know, what do you do when you finish dancing with someone? And then how do you find the next partner? Because oftentimes people are encouraged to ask each other. And so usually eventually someone will ask you to dance. But, you know, if, if you're new and people don't know you and um, sometimes it, you can be waiting for that, that dance for a long time. And it's hard as a blind person to go up and, and dance. I, I should say that the tradition of guys asking girls is not really standing anymore. Anyone can ask anybody to dance, but um, sometimes still as a blind person, you're like, well, I don't know who's free. You know, I don't know uh, if this person's talking in a group with, I don't want to interrupt or whatever. So that, that can be a challenge. And I fully admit it is sometimes a nerve wracking challenge. One advice she gave me, Haben Germa gave me, um, which I fully endorse is when you finish a dance, let's say you're doing salsa and you get to the end of the song. Thank you so much. That was so much fun. Hey, can you help me find my next partner? And mm-hmm. that's you, what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's so true. And especially if it's a crowded kind of loud place, it's so helpful. And to say, Hey, Hey, you know, um, I'm not sure who's available. Can you help me find someone free to dance? And I'll, I'll ask them to dance. Oh, sure. Most people are totally willing to do that. So that's that's a piece of advice for socials. Um, and, and also just have fun because, you know, socials are meant to be fun. Relax, enjoy. If you end up sitting on the side chatting to someone who's, uh, you know, who maybe doesn't want to dance but is just there to enjoy, that's great too. It's totally fine. Find the find the cookies and, and water, you know. <laughs> it's like, grab a snack. Um, so that's, that's fun. And then, uh, you know, one thing I love about, partner dancing um, for blind people and, and sighted alike. But I think it's so fun is the connection and the um, connection as in literally, you know, hand to hand or shoulder to hand or things like that, where you are connecting with your partner and uh, moving together through space. You're communicating, not usually not with words. Sometimes you can communicate with words, but it's a lot through feel, through touch and through um, using your core to move yourself, which then signals your partner that they're to, you know, to move themselves with using their core. And it's, it's just so cool because there's so much you can do without looking, which, you know, is kind of a cliche, but it's true. A lot of instructors are like, wow, you know, this is great. You're going to be a great follower because you'll actually, instead of trying to back leave me, you're going to wait to listen to what I lead you to do. And it's really cool. And even as a leader, um, as someone who's blind, you know, you have the power in your body to tell your partner where to go, to encourage that move, to direct the dance. And it's just, it's so powerful. So I love it as a way um, to, you know, really collaborate. It's such a collaborative art with someone else, uh, whether you're doing hustle or swing or tango or waltz, whatever it is, you're moving together. It's really powerful. I, I love that about choirs and orchestras and things too, is that you can create more together than you can individually. So um, I think that's a real fun part of it as blind people is that there is so much listening through your hands and through your arms and through your core. And, um, you know, we don't necessarily have uh, heightened senses because of our blindness, but we're sometimes more used to paying attention to them than other people. So it's kind of cool because I enjoy getting to uh, utilize that aspect Um, where I don't need to use my eyes. And a lot of times instructors are encouraging other people not to use their eyes, but rather Mm -hmm. to listen through their bodies and to really communicate using your body and using um, those senses and that energy rather than doing things visually. So we really have a place in dancing. Don't be afraid. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you can't dance because you're blind. Um, You can, you know, maybe you need to find uh, the right place to do that if they're not welcoming you. But um, you can do it. I love teaching people, as you said, Lizzie, because 
it's such a, uh, a thing that's not done that often, but we really can dance as blind people. And, you know, this is another thing that if you want to do this, you should be able to live the life you want as a dancer and don't let blindness hold you back. Yeah. I wish, um, I wish that I would have let you go last now because that was really good. To end it. But <laughs> um, now I'm going to speak and I very well may ruin everything you just said, but um, <laughs> we have to cut that in and, uh, you know, paste it somewhere. Paste it at the end. Um, is it going to say though? Yeah. So my advice would definitely be to first and foremost, relax, mm-hmm. not eat like before you like do anything. When you feel yourself worrying, getting tensed up, you'll know when you're getting tense because you'll feel your shoulders tighten. They'll start to come mm-hmm. up to your ears, force yourself to take a deep breath. You'll feel your shoulders drop straight in your back, put your mm-hmm. shoulders back, put a smile on your face, put your head up, you know, um, yes. just be confident. Um, but confidence comes from within. And if you're not feeling it, then just tell yourself, listen, I'm here. I took the first step, you know, Mm -hmm. just keep putting one foot in front of the other, as far as these things go. Mm -hmm. Um, I always call ahead. The reason why is actually because I don't, I don't bring a friend when I go dancing. I I don't live super close to my family anymore. Um, and my husband doesn't dance. So like, I don't have anyone to go with, but I still love doing it. So, you know, as far as, um, how I'm going to be accommodated, that's the, that's a huge reason as to why, you know, I do call ahead and I just kind of work with the instructor directly. And I say, listen, um, here are some alternative techniques, but I actually don't start off that way. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish I had my list of questions and it's not always the same because uh, it mm-hmm. just, it depends on if I'm starting something new or what's happening, but I will call up the instructor, um, you know, just kind of get a feel for their personality. I'm, I'm, and this is not everybody's strong suit, but you know, I'm good at picking up people's vibes. Right. And I'm good yeah. at seeing like, you know, is this person, a, a relaxed person, a nice person, an accommodation, an accommodating person. Are they very strict and rigid? And is this going to like upset their whole day and like their whole life? Like, you know, just like we're having mm-hmm. me in like one class and for some people it will. You know, yeah. um, yeah. it just depends. So I'll just call them up. I just kind of ask them general questions. And I'll be like, oh, like I'm a beginner. I've never done this before. And if they're like, you know, most of them are going to say, oh, just join. Cause they just, you know, like they want, they need more people right. to sign up. It's their job, you right. know? But then, um, you know, I may ask like more detailed questions and I ask even more detailed questions. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, have you ever worked with a blind person before? And they're mm-hmm. just kind of like, no, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> it's, well, no, sometimes it's, no, like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, so like you get yes. different responses. Um, yeah. and you know, listening to this podcast has armed you with a lot of knowledge, a lot of techniques and a lot of things that you really, um, need to know going in. So whatever you take away from, from this episode, uh, mm-hmm. you know, write it down and mm-hmm. let them know, cause they're not going to know how to accommodate you nine times out of 10. And they will ask, mm-hmm. what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. And if you've never danced before, and if you hadn't listened to this podcast, you would say like, I don't know, you know, cause yeah. I, I know that I didn't know what I needed at first. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so you've already done some research, um, look online, see what other research is out there. We are not the only two blind dancers. You That's, know what right. I mean? That's um, right. So look around, ask around, um, and, you know, just see, see who knows people and, 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 you know, see what other people are saying and what they're thinking and what ideas there are out there, um, yeah. for, for, for dance, uh, as a blind person. But first and foremost, you gotta relax. Um, mm-hmm. second thing you gotta do is sign up. <laughs> yes. So, um, Caitlin mentioned universities, uh, holding classes. I never even thought of that before. And I would have thought mm-hmm. that 
it was only for students, but apparently it's not. Uh, Groupon also has some really good deals where you can yeah. get like, you know, three lessons for a certain amount or five lessons for a certain amount. I Go- should say too, that the universities, you can sometimes sign up for their actual classes, but often uh, what I mean is that they'll have a uh, a club that's a ballroom club, mm-hmm. if you will, or a ballroom team. And, you know, sometimes you might be unofficially signed up, you know, they might not <laughs> actually have you on their roster, but um, sometimes they, they do. But some universities are like, well, we technically can only sign up students, but we welcome anyone to attend the lessons. So check it mm-hmm. out. But yes, yes. Continue with your ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely sign up, look around. Um, any local fitness centers, things like that, they'll mm-hmm. probably have dance classes. So, you know, just look around. If you don't have a friend, call ahead. If you do have a friend and you're uncomfortable calling ahead and you just kind of want to try it out, go for it. You know, yeah. um, just be flexible. A big part of dance is being flexible. And I don't mean totally. like that you need to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be able to do a back bend, but you do. It, that is a good metaphor yes. for, you know, just, just dance in general. You got to be able to move, you know, yeah. uh, be adaptable, yeah. be flexible. Um, yeah. And relaxation is going to be a huge part of that. You don't want to be stiff. You don't want to be rigid. You have to move your body. Yeah. You have to, you know, sometimes think quickly and yeah. go with the flow. Just go with mm-hmm. it. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Another thing I just totally thought of, which. Mm-hmm probably should have said earlier, but uh, an, an accommodation, if you will, not really an accommodation, but something I also enjoy is that when you're going there early, when you're going to talk to an instructor, or maybe just make sure you get there in plenty of time. So you're able to relax and breathe and put on that good posture, check out the space too. And, you know, mm-hmm. walk the space, feel the floor, note, which walls have chairs lined up on them. Re- you know, kind of like if you're an actor and you're, you're walking the set of your stage, walk the space of that room. So you are really comfortable um, knowing how big of a space you have, you know, knowing that there aren't stairs around you, knowing that there's not a table in the middle of the room or whatever, get comfortable with your space so that you can be confident in that ability to move freely through the space. Cause that makes a huge difference too. Definitely. And doing that before everyone else gets there always makes you feel, yes. um, you know, a bit better, you know, cause yes. the people are watching them. So yeah, exactly. um, definitely, definitely do that. I highly recommend all of these things. Um, I don't have any other tips right now to share. Do you, Caitlin? No, but you know, if you think of a question, reach out to us, nfbpad at gmail.com. And we're happy to try to point you in the right direction. Um, like Lizzie said, you know, we're not the only blind dancers. There are other dancers in our division, even listen to the ballet episode. You might get some, mm-hmm. some tips on that. Um, you know, join our listserv or our Facebook group, ask your questions. Someone else has probably thought of a solution and, you know, you might come up with something totally new and that's great too. Everyone's needs and, uh, comfortability of ways to do things is different, but you know, you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. So reach out. Um, we'd love to have you interact with us. We definitely would. Thank you all for listening today. This has been another episode of Scene Change. Thank you, Caitlin. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm Caitlin McIntyre, president of the National Federation of the Blind Performing Arts Division. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Scene Change. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website at nfb-pad.org. There you'll find links to our social media, membership, and resources for blind performers. Thanks to everyone who makes this show happen. Scene Change is produced by Shane Lowe, Joe Schunemann, Precious Perez, Chris Nussbaum, Sayun Choi, and Aaron Jordan. With music by Ryan Strunk and Tom Page. 
Remember, you can be the performer you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. We'll see you next time.